All right. Well, hey, everybody. Good morning. My name is Josh Lumen. I'm the discipleship pastor here at Hope Ankeny. That means I get to lead our discipleship team, uh, a great group of people who uh, lead children, student, adult ministries uh, to help all of us reach out to the world around us, to share Jesus' love, uh, to build a discipleship culture here at Hope Ankeny. So we're starting this new series called Relationship Status, uh, talking about family and friends and uh, romance. And I think it's important to talk about these things in the church because there's all kind of voices out there telling us, uh, you know, what a good family looks like, what healthy relationships look like. But it's probably good to go back to the person uh, who created community, God himself, and see what he has to say about uh, all these things. So today we're starting uh, with the idea of modern family. But before we get into that, would you pray with me? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, God, thank you for gathering uh, your church together in this place for worship this morning, for the opportunity to slow down and to listen for your voice and your guidance. God, speak to us this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So those were uh, some clips from the movie Parenthood uh, from the late 80s. Steve Martin stars in that movie. And Maybe you watch those clips and you think, man, fam that family is so dysfunctional, right? Maybe you look at that family and you're like, oh, hey, we're not so weird after all, right? They made a movie about us. Family is messy, though, isn't it? Right? I mean, between hectic schedules and difficult personalities, of course, not yours, you know, somebody else in your family. Between uh, parents love lives and kids love lives and uh, just all the other things that happen in life, death and uh, illness, and divorce, and blended families, and just all the craziness, right? All the messiness of life. Uh, some people might say that the modern family is the messiest uh, version of family that we've seen yet. Uh, like a far cry from the leave it to beaver, uh, Norman Rockwell kind of vision of family from back in the day. And that might be true, right? There's a lot of things that complicate family today. All those things we talked about, and, and then there's the things we don't talk about, right? The things like depression and the fighting that happens behind closed doors, the cheating, the debt, all of that drama that unfolds in our families. Family, though, I think has always been messy. Family has always been messy. We see it uh, displayed in our scripture reading today, right? And so our scripture reading kind of takes place in this weird family drama that's going on uh, between Jacob and Esau, the sons of Isaac and Rebekah. This is like a big, notable family in the Bible. If you've ever heard before God say something like, I am the Lord your God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, this, these people, this is kind of uh, a big deal family. And yet we're seeing this crazy drama that unfolds between them. So Jacob, the youngest son, is never the youngest ones that uh, are the troublemakers, right? In real life? No, that was the reality of my family. I'm the oldest. So, um, so right, Jacob, the youngest son, he's already stolen his brother's birthright. Uh, the eldest son was the one who received basically the entire inheritance of the family uh, back in Old Testament times. And uh, that's what should have happened, but Jacob uh, stole Esau's birthright, uh, sold it for a bowl of soup, and I don't know exactly, you know, it's kind of a strange story, but that's what happened. He cheated him out of that, and now uh, Jacob has cheated Esau, stolen away his blessing from his father. The blessing was another big deal because this is when the father, usually on his deathbed, was going to say to his eldest son these words of encouragement, 
He was going to give him the details of the inheritance of his family. And then he was going to say some prophetic words that would, uh, you know, shape the future of his son's life. It was the gift from the father to the eldest son. And yet, Jacob deceives his uh, father with the help of his mother. That, you know, that's a whole different level of weirdness, right? Deceives uh, his father, steals from his brother, and this is his older brother's response. This is what he says, uh, the verse right after our scripture reading today. From that time on, Esau hated Jacob because their father had given Jacob the blessing. And Esau began to scheme. I will soon be mourning my father's death. Then I will kill my brother Jacob. Are you starting to feel a little better about your family's mess right now? Right? This is one of the big families of the Bible, and this wasn't the first messy family, right? You think of the first family of the Bible, and Cain and Abel, the first brothers. Cain kills Abel, right? And then uh, later on, after Jacob, one of Jacob's sons, Joseph, uh, he had a difficult relationship with his brothers, and his brothers actually ended up uh, kidnapping him. They were going to kill him. They decided instead just to sell him into slavery. It's a messed up stories, right? Messed up families. And you think of David, another chosen person, uh, uh, King David. He's this man after God's own heart, but he committed adultery. He murdered this guy because he wanted to be with the guy's wife. Family has always been messy. So we come back to the story of Jacob and Esau. Theft, fraud, attempted murder, all these things. Jacob is now on the run. Uh, fleeing from the mistakes that he's made in his family, the mess that he's left, the cheating, the stealing. He's on the run, feeling the weight maybe of some of his lies and his cheating, of his mistakes starting to weigh down on him as he's been pushed out of his family. Have you ever been there? So Jacob's on the run, and uh, it comes to be nighttime. He's still in the middle of the wilderness to the place he's heading. And so he, he lies down, goes to sleep, and in his sleep he has this dream. It's this dream about um, he sees this stairway uh, rising up to heaven. And in the stairway he, sees, uh, he watches these angels ascending and descending from heaven. And at the top of the stairway he sees this, uh, this and I'm going to read it from Genesis 28. This is the vision, the dream that Jacob has. I'm going to start in verse 13. At the top of the stairway stood the Lord, and he said, I am the Lord, the God of your grandfather Abraham, and the God of your father Isaac. The ground you are lying on belongs to you. I'm giving it to you and your descendants. Your descendants will be as numerous as the dust of the earth. They will spread out in all directions, to the east and to the west, to the north and to the south. On all the families of the earth will be blessed through you and your descendants. What's more, I am with you, and I will protect you wherever you go. One day I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have finished giving you everything I have promised you. See, this is the incredible good news for us. In the midst of Jacob's mess, God shows up. And God promises that he's going to stand by Jacob. See, the truth is that family has always been messy, right? We've been talking about some of those stories. Family has always been messy, but God has always been faithful to transform our mess. That's the good news. 
God doesn't choose just to work through perfect families, but through these messy, ordinary, maybe extreme versions of messy families. This definitely wasn't something that Jacob was expecting, right? Jacob wakes up from his dream, from his encounter with God, and this is what he says in uh, Genesis 28, verse 16. I want us to read this all together. It's up on the screen. Surely the Lord is in this place, and I was not aware of it. Jacob wasn't expecting for God to show up in the middle of his mess. The presence of the Lord caught Jacob off guard. I mean, why would God show up in this messy situation, to share his uh, love and forgiveness, to share this blessing with Jacob. Why would he do that? Why wouldn't he just give up on Jacob? Have you ever been in that place where the messiness of life is just kind of overwhelming to you and the one thing that you're hoping is that in the midst of the mess, in the middle of the fighting, in the middle of the cheating, in the midst of whatever's going on, that you have someone that shows up and they promise to stand by you. They promise that they won't give up on you. into your eyes It's like watching the night sky Or a beautiful sunrise There's so much they hold And just like them old stars I see you've come so far to be right where you are. How old is your soul? I won't give up. Oh, even if the skies get I'm giving you all my love. I'm still looking up. When you're needing your space to do some navigating, I'll be here patiently waiting. See what you find. Cause even the stars, they burn, and some even fall to the earth. And we've got a lot to learn, and God knows we're worth it. 
someone who walks away so easily I'm here to stay and make the difference that I can make Our differences, they do a lot to teach us how to use the tools and gifts we got here We got a lot at stake And in the end you're still my friend, at least we didn't intend for us to work We didn't break, we didn't burn had to learn how to bend without the world caving in. I had to learn what I got and what I'm not and who I am. And I won't give up on us, even if the skies get around. See, God's promise throughout all the stories of scriptures is that he is going to show up, that he's going to be present, that he won't give up on us, even when the skies get rough. Even in the messiness of our life, God knows that we're worth it. See, and I think some people, they, they misread the Bible and they pick out particular verses and stories here and there and they, they miss the bigger thing that's going on. When they think that the Bible is this book of rules and regulations, this book uh, about this angry and vengeful God who's just waiting for people to mess up, this cosmic cop that's waiting to show how messed up we actually are. When I read through the stories of Scripture, I see a different reality. Because I think the stories in the Bible, they're a collection of stories that point to the passionate and pursuing love of a father for his children. And this love is so, is so powerful, it's so profound, it's so pervasive that no one can escape from its wake. That we all in some way are caught up into it. And all of us, each and every one of us, were invited into the family of God. The invitation is open to everyone. That's the promise that we celebrate in baptism. That in baptism, in the waters of baptism, our gracious Heavenly Father, He liberates us from the powers of sin 
and death by joining us into the family of God. And if you pay attention uh, in the baptismal uh, ritual, in the baptismal liturgy, you might hear uh, Scott and I, when we anoint people with oil, uh, you know, we say in the Old Testament, special people were anointed to show they had been set apart. And prophets, priests, and kings received this treatment. And now, because of Jesus and our adoption into God's family, we're called a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. And those words, uh, they come from 1 Peter chapter 2. And I want us to read this together because I think it's a great summation of the gospel, a great summation of the story that we're talking about today. So let's read this together. These two verses, two slides, starting 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. You are a chosen people. You are royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. Once you had no identity as a people, now you are God's people. Once you received no mercy, now you received God's mercy. See, this is the story. We're born children of this fallen humanity, children of this messed up world, this broken world, separated from God. But in baptism, we're given this identity as God's people. We receive God's mercy, a free gift to us. God looks at the messiness of our lives and he shares with us his mercy. But this is one of the important parts, right? This isn't just good news for us. It's not just good news that we get to keep to ourselves. It's not just a blessing for us. Did you notice when God was blessing, sharing in the dream that Jacob had, he's sharing this blessing with Jacob? And this is what he says in Genesis 28, 14. All the families of the earth will be blessed through you and your descendants. All the families of the earth will be blessed through you. It's the same uh, promise and blessing that God gives to Abraham, to Jacob's grandfather, when he says, all the families on earth will be blessed through you. See, God chooses uh, to work through the messiness of this one family, not just to bless a select group of people, but to bless the entire world. And God stands by Jacob and by his descendants in this messy, weird family line that stretches all the way to Jesus. Jesus, who, if you think about it, had kind of an interesting family himself, right? This uh, holy family that we talk about, Mary and Joseph and Jesus, right? So Jesus, the son of God, he's born into this family with an his mom, unwed teenage mom. And his, the only earthly father he knows is his stepdad. Not quite the perfect picture, you know, of this wonderful family. But see, God works through the faithfulness of that messy family to bless the whole world. 
those parents, they raise up Jesus, the Son of God. And he goes out and he shares this good news of Jesus, of uh, God's love for the world. And he invites all people into the family of God. A family that would not be defined by, uh, you know, a certain geographic area or by the, the race that you're a part of. It wouldn't be defined, God's family wouldn't, uh, by your political affiliation or how good you were as a person. God's family was going to be defined by the way that that family loved one another. It's what Jesus uh, spoke to his disciples in John's gospel. He's saying, you know, love is going to be the foundation of all of this. And so in John 13, Jesus says this. Let's read this together. Jesus speaking to his disciples. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Like Pastor Scott talked about last week, though, right? A lot of the time, the church isn't always that great, isn't always known for our love. We're known for excluding people uh, intentionally and unintentionally. We're known uh, for building walls instead of building bridges, instead of welcoming people in. But just think about it. You know, these are some challenges, very unintentional challenges. There was, I don't think, ever really a, a decision, you know, some committee that came together and they said, this is how we should do this. But think about blended families uh, who don't have custody of their kids on the weekends. They never have an opportunity to worship together with their kids. Or think about uh, this example. So the daddy-daughter dance. I love this event. We have an incredible team that puts this event on. But uh, I was talking with uh, Angie Rathbun, our former children's ministry director, and she brought up this idea that, you know, really the daddy-daughter dance, in the name itself, it implies biological dad and daughter. But what happens if you're a foster dad, if you're a stepdad, if your girl in your house doesn't even have a father present? What do we do then? And so I'm very proud of the way that our team has handled this situation and has made sure, even though we haven't changed the name, that we say that, you know, it's girls and father figures trying to be more inclusive, trying to welcome more people, right? God was exclusive at one point in time, choosing a certain family, but it was never just for that family's blessing. It was for the inclusion of all people. And Jesus made this inclusive movement a reality. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Have you ever noticed some of the other one another phrases, some other one another commands in the New Testament? Paul is especially... Uh, uh, enthralled with these, right? He, he talks about loving and doing things to one another all the time, right? So here's Romans. Live in harmony with one another. Romans 15, accept one another. In 2 Corinthians, encourage one another. Serve one another. In Galatians, bear with one another. In Ephesians, submit to one another. Forgive one another. It's one another thing. This relationship, this love that we're called to have for one another pervasive, is what should be the foundation of who we are. 
But sometimes it's hard, right? Because family is messy. Because not everybody shares the same story. Not everybody shares the same family makeup. But as I was uh, talking through this part of the sermon with my wife, uh, like Scott, you know, our wives are brilliant people, and so they give us all these great ideas for the sermon. So I was, I was talking through this part with her, and she said, you know, yeah, I think a lot of the times people use the excuse of having a messy family as a reason to kind of uh, ignore these things. Say, well, because we have such a messy family, we can just kind of give up on one another. We don't have to actually live this out in spite of the mess. See, that's what Jesus calls us to. In spite of the messiness of our lives, the messiness of our families, we're still called to live in harmony, to accept one another, to encourage one another, to serve one another, to forgive one another, to love one another. I was at a conference uh, earlier this year in Atlanta, and a uh, pastor by the name of Andy Stanley, he's a pastor in the Atlanta area, he was uh, speaking at the conference, and he uh, shared this vision for what he hoped the church would look like in the future. In this world where, I mean, so much of the church uh, is known for kind of their way, the way they exclude people, where so many people are uh, skeptical of organized religion, this is what Andy said. Imagine a world where people were skeptical of what we believed, but were envious of the way we loved one another. Imagine a world where people were skeptical of what we believed, but were envious of the way we loved one another. How much would change if that was the pervasive reality in God's church, in God's family. But yes, it's difficult, it's complicated, right? Family is messy. None of us are perfect. Uh, I've been dealing with my family for 30 years now, and for the most part, you know, they're great people, but it can also be super annoying at times, right? It can be super difficult. I've been married for just over a year now, and, uh, you know, I can be very difficult to live with, I'm finding, it's, it's, it's never her, you know. It's never her. It's, all, it's just me. Family is messy. Relationships are messy. But they've always been that way. So at the, close to the end of the movie, Parenthood, uh, they're getting ready to go to um, a play that one of their kids is in. And uh, Steve Martin's character, he's kind of riding this high of enjoying uh, his son's Little League game win and... Uh, but he's also dealing with some crazy news that he just found out his wife is pregnant. Surprise, number four is on the way. And in the twists and turns of life, he's trying to figure this all out. Take a look. You see, the invitation uh, from God to us uh, is not an invitation to ride on a merry-go-round. Life is going to be rough. There's going to be ups. There's going to be downs. See, God's promise to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, his promise to me and his promise to you, wasn't to take us off of the roller coaster of life. If he did that, yeah, we'd miss out on the pain and the heartache, but we'd also miss out on the joys and the thrills of life. So God did something better. Instead of taking us off the roller coaster, God promised to come and ride the roller coaster with us. And that changes 
everything. In our messy lives, God enters right into that mess and continues to walk with us, continues to stand with us, won't give up on us.